Welcome to uh, the World Game Podcast uh, edition in Russia 2018. And we are here in Moscow. Lucy is with me. Lucy, you got through this first night uh, without any problem. How did you How did you feel? Well, I'm actually starving now. You and I have just commented about that. It's the first time I've put something in my mouth since uh, about 10 o'clock this morning. But I tell you what, there was so much excitement and nervousness, I guess, coming into this. Um, you know, being a big World Cup for us and being obviously without Les. And so we wanted to do right by him within our coverage. So there was a sense of anxiety around it all but now that we've got the first one under our belt we feel really great and um and i'll tell you who else is going to be feeling great russia the host nation what a result for them over saudi arabia yeah look absolutely i was at the match actually uh, check out who i caught up with martin tyler thank you for being on the sbs podcast what did you make of this well, it's hard to work out whether russia were that good or saudi arabia were that poor to be honest i feel sorry for the saudis they've put a lot into um, getting ready for this tournament but they've walked into a home a hometown situation really And the president must be very pleased with what he saw from Russia today. That was a show of strength. From your experience, how much can we say about the, the home country experience? You, you are the host. They are to deliver tonight, Russia. Well, the truth is the tournament needs the host to do well at every World Cup. And I think we were worried about Russia this time because they haven't done well. They haven't looked like a team at all, really. And it was a strange... Uh, he, he picked the right team. I mean, there were one or two players in there we didn't expect to be in. Like Kaczynski, who scores the first goal of the World Cup, he's there in the history books forever. So, and uh, obviously Cheryshev coming on, he, he he wasn't expected to be involved. He scored two, uh, one sort of fundamental goal and a glorious goal as well. So, and then the free kick, just I mean, he is a good player. Golovin is a very good player, and he was, he maybe was the spark that in the end got Russia on fire today. Okay, I know you've got to go, but last question. World Cup on SBS, you're the voice of, uh, of football on SBS. We are loving it. How much of a good start is this for SBS? It was interesting. I've just been listening to Fozzie in the studio, you know, and obviously from the Asian point of view, Saudi Arabia finished above Australia. So I think he was a bit shell-shocked from that side of things. So, But I think generally for people who just want to watch the tournament and enjoy it, Um, we'll have a much better atmosphere around the country wherever we are because the Russian fans will connect with it. It's not as popular a game here as people might think, you know. I mean, it's not quite like Italy and Spain and England and Germany. Um, but when they get behind them, there's 145 million of them, so that could push them a long way. Thanks, Martin. Cheers. Oh, the great Martin Tyler. Um, you know, I've done a lot of crosses with him in my time, obviously, but not having ever met him when I saw him walk into the hotel lobby here where we're staying in Moscow, about 10 minutes outside of Red Square, uh, the child in me was just squealing with delight because he's such a legend of the game. His voice is, is synonymous with football um, and it's so great to have him as part of our coverage. What a legend. So like you just said, uh, not too sure if Russia were good or if Saudi Arabia were actually that bad. Well, I thought, and with the greatest of respect to Saudi Arabia, but I thought that Saudi Arabia made Russia look like Brazil. Um, to, to come away from a result like that, I know that Saudi Arabia was strong in the qualifiers um, and, you know, they, they'd managed to score. Their striker had scored 16 goals in 18 internationals. So you're thinking, okay, up front, they've got a chance to actually exert some, some force here and do some damage against Russia, who have been in absolute terrible form. Coming into this tournament, even the locals, the Russians, they were dismayed by the state of their national team and didn't have any expectations of how they would perform. There was so much pessimism. So a huge result for the host nation. And I think in important for them too because no host nation has ever lost the opening game of World Cup. We were thinking it could be touch and go but in fact 5-0 uh, also quite a good score for them going forward because all of a sudden Egypt's got a job in their hand because they're going to have to score some goals to equal what Russia just did. 
They will, but you've also got to consider the strength of the opposition um, in the group as well. And when you consider Uruguay and Egypt, of course, Egypt, we know Mohamed Salah, he has been cleared. We received that news that he's fit and ready to play after he picked up that injury in the UEFA Champions League match. The final, um, I, being a Liverpool fan, would believe that he potentially could have played on and that he chose Egypt over Liverpool, but I'm not going to say that because it might be disrespectful to some players who've played on with an injury. But ultimately, you know, Uruguay, if you're Uruguay and you're watching that game, you're thinking this is going to be an easy feat for us. So I don't think that either of them in Uruguay uh, are, are going to be a, a pushover or Egypt. So this is a big task ahead for Russia. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves because of the result, but certainly exciting times for them in their opening game. Absolutely. We need to look elsewhere than just the scoreline. Check out who has put up with again. David, it's really good to see you actually in Russia. Not too far from, uh, from Germany for you. It's only a two-hour flight from Germany, so very, very close. But I'm happy to be here. So excited with all the SPS crew that I haven't seen for a year. And obviously to get the opening uh, ceremony in the opening game, very exciting. Come on, let's talk about, uh, first of all, this opening ceremony. Beautiful. Not at all what I was expecting, but what did you uh, make of it? Robbie Williams there live like a concert. So I, was, uh, I thought it was very, very well organized. Um, it was quick, it was sharp, it was well-timed. And it was a good atmosphere in the stadium. So, and I, I happened to be on the pitch, so I was up close and personal. Very good. Match-wise, in the end, very entertaining match. Actually, I spoke to a lot of the Russian journal journalists before the game, and they were very, very um, worried that they were going to have a very disappointing campaign because they hadn't won a game in seven seven games leading into the tournament. Um, but I think Saudi Arabia were the perfect opponents. They were very poor. I was so surprised. Uh, Russia, they were okay. They weren't anything special, but they didn't need to be. And then obviously with the first goal, second goal, third goal, they just grew in confidence. It's exactly what they needed because coming into this uh, tournament, not many people were optimistic that they were going to get any kind of result. Now, after that 5-0, they can go into the next game with full, uh, well, with a lot of confidence. As a, as a next player, I know you, you're a coach or you're building your coaching career back in Germany, but how much of a confidence boost this 5-0 is compared to a 3-0? Because two goals can make the difference, actually. It's like that old saying, you're only as good as your last game. And a lot of the talk, I told you, I spoke to the journalists and they were like, everything was negative. Now with one result, you can turn everything around. You saw the players, they were all excited. You saw the, the fans, they were all excited. So that's totally given the team a lot of confidence now and, and probably given them confidence that they can make the next round of the World Cup. So for them, it's very, very positive. Do you know what? Like one last thing. I wish I could read Russian because I'd love to read and understand those newspapers tomorrow. You've got to get Google Translate. It can help you a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, David. And I hopefully we'll talk to you soon again in the podcast uh, over the campaign. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Your old mate. Oh, my old mate. It's so good to have him here in Russia. Um, unfortunately, he's going to be probably getting back to the hotel quite late too, but then he's flying out again to cover another match for us. But it's so great to have him as part of the coverage because it feels like the old team is back together. He's not just a colleague, but a beloved friend of ours here at SBS. So we've got a lot of time for DZ. Yeah, and he's, he's only next door, two hours away from here. Yeah, and so really the, the, the sentiment behind that is, okay, once you've done that match, you've got to come back and have a few vodka shots with us, son. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Lucy. Spasiba and Stasvidania. And I'm now joined by Craig Foster. Uh, Craig, great program coming up. No, it's incredible here. I was just saying to someone uh, yesterday, on for football fans, um, this is like, sorry for the religious reference, but this really is like our Mecca. This is like our congregation because as Australians who in many respects back home um, have to fight for the game and you know have to fight for space in the press and and uh, are 
now very much mainstream, but still a defined group, if you like. When we come to every World Cup every four years, we feel at home and we feel energised. There's an incredible energy because we're among our own. We're among true football lovers from every corner of the globe. So it's wonderful to be here and it's the fans who make it because they're part of the family. Absolutely. Right, let's look at the, the schedule of what's coming up tonight. Uh, we'll start with the match SBS is showing. Portugal, Spain. So much to say about this. Portugal coming in as the European champion and Spain coming in with a, a whole new Uh, coaching side. Yeah, that's just incredible what's occurred. You know, in, in World Cup, right throughout history, you never quite know. Controversy is never far away. And it struck only two days ago uh, when Lopetegui was sacked by Rubiales uh, from the Spain team. And, and they're very much one of the favourites. Are they still? I, I still get the sense that they will be because Hierro is uh, a legend of their game. He does have coaching experience, but he's been with the national team a long, long time as TD. So he knows intimately all of the players. They respect him. And that's the first point that you have to overcome with a group that's won a world championship. It's very experienced group, so I think all his main role really is is player selection and perhaps tactical selection. But I think he'll have people like PK and Ramos and some of the best tacticians on the field in the world coming through their system. They'll they'll assist him with that, and I think they'll get through this. It may actually even end up being a spur um, to to get them deep into the tournament. You remember in 06 with Italy, right? When Italy came into their tournament under huge criticism, they had the Calciopoli scandal, uh, the public was very much against them, was attacking individual players and so on, and the group came together and it was that um, us against them mentality which actually drove Italy on to win their fourth World Cup. And actually, France as well, because France had a big controversy with Dominic. Zidane took the lead uh, as, as the bigger brother. So my question is, do you think someone like Ramos can actually be that sort of Zidane uh, leader and, and spur the Spanish on? Oh, absolutely. He's a, he's a marvellous, marvellous leader. Egyptian fans won't like to hear that, but that's the reality. He's one of the legendary leaders of, of uh, world football in the last 20 years. Um, further to that, in 98 France, the French team under Jacques A, a, a man who I know very well, a friend I can call him, he came, I brought him out to Australia many years ago to do a football conference, him and his wife Martine, lovely lady, and uh, Ame was telling me about how the public was against the French team prior to the start of that tournament. And, in fact, very much against uh, Ame himself. He was hugely criticised. He wasn't uh, skilled in the media. He was uh, very much a, an older gentleman. They, they saw him as boring. They weren't sure that he was going to be able to get the best out of this marvellous array of talents. But sometimes that's what's required. So often, going into these tournaments, it's the criticism that brings these big, te big teams together or controversy. Spanish players aren't... Um, aren't unused to controversy you know what the Spanish press is like that's that's a day when you play for Real Madrid or Barca that's part of your daily diet you, you have that for breakfast so oh, I think they're still going to go okay absolutely let's talk about the other side the other Reds Portugal can a man like uh, Ronaldo be that leader because we know often World Cup are won by also one leader one man can this be the year for him well he proved that he can be the leader for a major continental title the euros only a couple of years ago but this is a different title this is um you know not playing against france in that final of course they only scraped their way out of that group as well but they probably got stronger throughout the tournament for ronaldo he The trouble with Real Madrid is he's able to work within what's an unbelievable team and just give his best qualities at the end. Whereas I don't know if that's going to be good enough in a World Cup, right? Because the other teams, by the time you hit um, quarterfinals, semifinals and beyond, they've got 
a whole host of stars. I know Ronaldo's one of the two top players in the world, but there's a difference because he has been slowing down, he has been changing his game. And okay, in the Euro final, he didn't. He he was injured, and therefore he was able to get on the sideline and and help the team psychologically. But this is a, a totally different ball game. I think Brazil are looking extremely strong. Um, Germany, of course, are another one. So if you're going to take them on and just rely on your team to do the majority of the work and then just provide the cutting edge, I don't know if it's enough in the World Cup. Absolutely, yes. This match is, uh, is live on SBS tonight. Uh, Portugal against Spain. If we go around against what's happening in the World Cup tonight, we've got Egypt against Uruguay. Very interesting South American team on Uruguay. Egypt haven't been here for quite a while. It's almost new territory for all of the staff and all the other players. What do we read into this match? Well, how's your luck with the Egyptians? You know, 30 years, 28, but three decades, really, you haven't been here. You finally get a world superstar, Salah, you know, genuinely um, in the top, this season anyway, we'll see about longevity, but this season anyway, in the top few players in the world, and the poor guy gets injured in the Champions League final, right? You, you just couldn't write a worse script for Egyptian fans. That Clearly they need him here to get outside of this group, um, albeit uh, you've still got uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia, um, who are the two lowest ranked teams in the tournament. So Against Uruguay, it's not everything is on the line for Egypt. The more important games will be that they beat the other two, and I think they're likely to do so. And even if Salah doesn't play, hopefully he plays in the second or third game. And, and in that case, I see Egypt getting through alongside Uruguay. For uh, the Charuas, uh, as we all know them by, uh, the Uruguayans are some of the toughest competitors in world sport. You know, um, with a population, I think it's probably closing in on around 4 million now. Uh, and still to be able to fourth in the world, uh, you know, back in 2010 um, with their wonderful history of two Olympic championships in the early 20s, mid to late 20s, and then uh, two World Cups. Uh, they're just, they're fierce. You know, when they pull on that shirt, you know that Uruguay uh, are going to be a, a, re a force to be reckoned with. So they'll top the group. It's a question of who to come second. And actually the Socceroos know very much uh, about this uh, Uruguayan story. Good and bad. You know, we went out to them and, and then we were able to beat them because we had a great guy in charge and we were ready at that time. Um, we took every advantage we could have, including the travel. So um, we know, you know, they had some marvellous players then, but I'll tell you what, they're probably more, they're even better now because you've got uh, Edinson Cavani, top scorer in uh, qualifying in, in South America, 40 goals for PSG, but top scoring in South American qualifying, that tells you everything. Absolutely. The other clash that is uh, happening tonight, uh, Morocco against Iran. Uh, this one is also very interesting because Morocco just actually lost the bid for the World Cup uh, just a couple of days ago to, to the Americas. Uh, how much do you think this is going to spur the, the players on to just prove the world that Morocco is there? Well, they can do that anyway. Um, I, I don't know, actually. Um, that depends, I guess, country by country. But uh, for Morocco, they're already in a great uh, position, you know, they didn't concede actually in qualifying, and um, they were—they've um, got Benatia in centre defence, who's incredibly strong. You know, this is their fifth World Cup alongside Iran, also, uh, and they're capable of getting out of their group. Um, you know, it's going to be tough, but um, you know, in, in relation to the bid, I'm not sure whether they really thought that they were going to beat, uh, you know, the the triumvirate of the USA, uh, Canada and Mexico because simply of the, the financial issues around FIFA and the fact that Infantino was always going to, you know, was always going to counsel people to go for a bid that was going to deliver a huge amount of money and uh, bulge the coffers of FIFA because in the end that's pretty much what they're about.
especially after the controversy of uh, the, the last two bids. Uh, so this match, uh, Morocco against Iran. Iran, uh, very quick to qualify. Uh, interesting team. Uh, that could be a very good match, actually. Yeah, and a good coach in charge, Keroj. Um, I, that'll be a really good match because they are evenly matched. Um, and uh, for Keroj, he knows the World Cup well now. In, you know, in the last one, um, they didn't concede many goals. Um, they did well. Uh, in their games, they were very defensive and they certainly weren't great to watch at that time, but they've grown since then and they cruised through qualifying, as you said. They didn't concede any goals to the last uh, game, actually, against Syria, which was a 2-2. So, Kiroz knows what he's doing. Um, Team Melly have been here numerous times. Uh, they haven't, they've only won one in 12 games, though, in World Cups and uh, their only win for Iran was way back in 98 when they beat USA. Talk about politics and sport coming together. What a win that was. Of course, um, we were displeased they were there, Australia, because only a couple of months before they went past us down in Melbourne. So there's a soft spot whilst we still um, rankle from that game. Uh, there's a soft spot, certainly for me anyway, for Iran, and I'd like to see them do well. Craig, it's always a pleasure. Uh, enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Uh, happy so far? You're, you're enjoying it? Hey, look, it's only day two. It's, it's amazing to be here. The excitement now, you know, we were here for almost a week and it was quiet. But as soon as it hits day one, you know, hey, we're back at the World Cup. There's nothing better. People can't see, but you've got a smile on your face. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> okay. And you know what? This is it for the podcast today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be coming to you every match day, every morning as you are preparing to commute or as you are commuting uh, to work. Remember, there is uh, this wonderful uh, Twitter live show every night with uh, Lucy and Craig. And of course, uh, follow us on Twitter where we're at, at The World Game and on our website, sbs.com.au slash The World Game. Until uh, we meet again tomorrow, have a great day, Australia, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.